The What If Challenge number one. Welcome, time travelers, to the latest series that I'm staring here on the Comic Book Time Machine. It's me, Matt Anderson. I'm back doing a solo episode for the Comic Book Time Machine, and I've been excited about doing this series for quite a while. I've had plans to do it for a long time. I finally have been able to make time for it, and so here we are, the What If Challenge. I'll tell you what it is. Every one of these episodes, I'm going to take three What If comic book issues, individual issues. I'm going to read them, and I'm going to quickly review each one, and then pick the best of the three. Now, why would I be doing it this way? Well, here's a story. When I go to uh, local comic conventions, often with my comic book time machine co-host, Daniel Butcher, when I'm checking out these conventions, I'm most drawn to these what-if issues, these classic parallel universe stories. So I guess just in case you don't know what a what-if issue is, Marvel in the past has told parallel universe stories or alternate uh, history stories through what if comics they would usually be one issue long they'd ask a question what if and they present the the occurrence the alternate history what if this happened in marvel history and then they'd tell that story and the story would unfold so for example in 1977 this whole series started and the very first issue they ever had was called what if spider-man joined the fantastic four so It's basically a twist on issue number one of Spider-Man. So that issue came out in 1963. It told the story of how Spider-Man... No, it's after Amazing Fantasy number 15 where he debuted. So this isn't his origin story. Uh, The number one issue uh, features Chameleon as a villain and the Fantastic Four make an appearance. And at one point in that issue, uh, this this original 1963 Spider-Man issue, he looks into the idea of possibly joining the Fantastic Four. So it, I think if you know Marvel history, you'll know that never did happen back then. But in What If number one, they did an alternate version. So what if the conversation between the Fantastic Four and Spider-Man had went differently and he had joined the Fantastic Four? What would that mean for early Marvel history? So that kind of sets the stage for what is a what if issue. So as I was saying, I gravitate towards these issues. When I'm buying things at comic conventions, I don't, typically buy a lot of single issues unless it's something historic such as the clone saga which i like the original clone saga i got an issue of that i but i i do like buying these individual what if issues because most of these single issues can stand on their own and if i'm going to buy uh whether it's a classic marvel story or a modern marvel story that i like i would typically buy it in trade paperback form or hardcover so i can have it on my shelf the reason i buy these individual issues is because they're just self-contained, fun little comic stories, and uh, I don't know if I necessarily would. Well, I mean, I guess I would probably enjoy fine a what if collection, but I've just liked buying the individual issues. And this is, I probably have, other than the comics I bought as a kid, I probably have more what if single issues than any. Uh, yeah, I'm thinking this is true than any other comic series. Maybe Amazing Spider-Man would would be uh, a close contender, but. Yeah, what if just a favorite of mine? So even though I've been uh, buying a lot, purchasing a lot of these comics from the comic conventions, I haven't made a lot of time to actually read through them. So 
I developed the what if challenge so I would get myself to read something that I want to read and uh, hopefully be able to share the fun experience with you. I've tried to group together these comics by some sort of theme, whether it's a theme of a character or the theme of uh, a certain, let's say resurrections could be a theme. So what if the Phoenix had never died, I think is one. And what if Gwen Stacy had never died? That could be one. Um, So either that way or by maybe just a character. So I know that there's one about what if Captain America became the president of the United States of America? And what if Captain America hadn't vanished during World War II? So those types of things. So I'm going to try to, when I talk about this trio of comics, I'll try to have some sort of theme. So for tonight, my theme is sort of Spider-Man. I, th- I mean, it. I guess uh, I needed to read issue one uh, as we did the first episode of the What If Challenge. So like I mentioned before, issue number one of What If is what if Spider-Man joined the Fantastic Four? And even though I know about it, I have never read it before. So I'll be doing that here tonight. Uh, the other two I'll be discussing tonight is what if the amazing Spider-Man had not married Mary Jane? I think that's kind of interesting because we know that in more modern Marvel history, uh, the comic book company has decided to erase the spider marriage. And so this came out at a time when they were still married. And then the final issue we'll, dis- we'll discuss tonight will be what if the Amazing Spider-Man had married the Black Cat? So we've got kind of a dual theme of Spider-Man as a character. And then there's two marriage issues. And then, of course, like I said, we have to tackle issue number one of this awesome series. Um, you know, I've talked about this before, but I've always loved What If. It was the very first comic I personally remember ever buying myself uh, back in 1992. I was on a trip with my grandparents. I remember buying this uh, comic at an airport. You know, I should say, actually, I remember reading it on an airplane, and I can't imagine that I would have bought it at home and then dragged it along. I guess that's possible, but I'm pretty sure I bought it at an airport in 1992, although the comic itself was from 1991. It was What If... The Punisher had killed Daredevil, and it's What If, Volume 2, Number 26. So I've always liked these parallel universe stories. Even back then when I bought this comic and I was reading What If Punisher Had Killed Daredevil, I understood the concept that this is a parallel universe, uh, just a fun story you can read kind of one and done. So I think this What If Challenge will uh, kind of bring things full circle for me in the sense that this is where I started with my Marvel reading, and now I'm going to be heading through a bunch of alternate history that Marvel provided through the What If comic series. Uh, I think that's all I can say right now until I actually read the issue. So I'm going to pause, I'm going to read this issue, and then I'll be back with a review of issue number one of What If. All right, I'm back, and this is kind of fun. Since I have the individual issue... I got some additional material that I wasn't expecting that probably isn't in a a trade paperback or a hardcover collection of What If, but there was a Marvel bullpen bulletins, Marvel bullpen bulletins in here uh, with some thoughts on What If, and there was also a letter page, even though it was the very first issue. So in the Marvel bullpen bulletins, it uh, talks about, let me see if I can see who wrote this actually, editor, it just says the editors as a whole. I don't think this is just from Stanley because he's got his own little section of it called the Stanley's Soapbox. So I'm not sure who exactly is writing this. I guess my I'd say Roy Thomas because uh, he created, I found out after reading this, that he created the whole concept of What If. 
but he also wrote the letters page, so maybe that's not true. But it looks like the bullpen bulletin was something that was just in every issue from a certain month because it says, over the last few months, we've been making periodic mentions of a new periodical that we're planning called What If? And so then it goes into discussing how did it come about? Roy Thomas had this idea. Uh, you know, Fans had so much sent in questions like asking these different What If? questions about their characters and Marvel history that they finally decided they should just go ahead and do a almost like an annual because it uh, this is a double-sized issue. Again, this is something I didn't know until I picked it up. Double, They say this is double-length, king-size. Uh, but then they go on to say, but you're not going to have to wait for this once a year like annuals. Instead, this will be coming out every other month. So that is how they initially uh, marketed What If. And let me go now. I'm going to flip back to the letters page here. Letters page is called Why Not? And this is by Roy Thomas, who, like I said, had created this idea. And he wrote this first issue. So this first issue, I could tell you, is written and edited by Roy Thomas with art by Jim Craig and Paolo Marcos. So in the letters page, he again talks about how comic fans and comic writers would sometimes ask these different questions about what if this happened? What if that happened? That'd be interesting. But they knew they can't actually do some of these things because it would rewrite Marvel history and they didn't want to go back and change things. And I mean, I, right now I feel like retconning is pretty common, but maybe at this time it wasn't as big of a thing. So uh, Roy Thomas had said he'd always been attracted to the idea of parallel universes. He likes science fiction. So he decided that this would be the right medium to tell those types of stories. He right off the first sentence, he talks about he doesn't want to call these imaginary stories. And that's sort of a jab at DC because DC comics often would tell imaginary stories. Uh, but he wanted these to be actual world. So when you read a what if issue, this is something that actually happened, just not on the prime Marvel Earth, not on Earth 616. It's happening somewhere in a different universe. I think that's a, kind of an interesting concept that he so strongly wanted to say this is happening. This is real, just not real in the Earth that you know of. So he uses the Watcher as the narrator of the story. Uh, the Watcher, of course, had already appeared in multiple comics, specifically with Fantastic Four. He's this cosmic being who is always watching. He knows what's happening. Now we know that he's not. he doesn't just know what's happening in the main Marvel Universe, but across the multiverse. Uh, but yeah, this it was fun. This uh, has a large letters page where Roy Thomas really got to lay out why he decided to start it. And then also talked about how at first they had considered this book to be Roy Thomas's book. He was going to write and conceive every uh, idea. But then as things went forward, they ended up deciding that he would write some, but then other writers would come in and other artists would come in and, and do work on it. So I think he'll be on issue number two, but then after that, it'll be all different people. So an awesome, awesome chance to read what they were saying about it when it first came out. But that's enough about what if as a concept, let's dive into the actual story. This is kind of crazy. I didn't realize it was going to do this, but they actually show panels that are almost picture for picture right out of spider-man issue number one and they bring you to the point where spider-man asks about joining the fantastic four and in a way they kind of shoot him down he at the time is thinking this would be a great way to make money he needs money why not be a hero like the fantastic four that are more public and maybe he can make something out of this and when he finds out he can't in the original continuity, he just decides to 
move along and not really do it. And But here, we get Sue Storm, who has a, a change of heart that she didn't have in the original Marvel Universe. And she kind of calls him back, oh, don't get mad, come back here, let's keep talking about it. And so through the course of conversation, he decides to join the Fantastic Four, making them the Fantastic Five. And then the story progresses from there. But Roy Thomas does something awesome where... He's still, I mean, you, you can just tell this guy is a, a great Marvel historian because he's still referencing stories that we saw in early Fantastic Four and early Spider-Man, but now telling these stories differently because these five are now a team together. So how would have Spider-Man's early adventure slash fight against Vulture went differently now that he's part of a team? Or how would... Uh, an encounter that the Fantastic Four had with Namor or the Puppet Master have gone differently now that Spider-Man is with them. So we're constantly getting references to, you know, if you want to see the original story, check out Fantastic Four number 12. And it's cool because this is coming out 10 plus years after those original stories uh, came out. So yeah, more so than other, because I've read somewhat, if not a lot, surprisingly, Probably, it's a good question now that I'm thinking about it. Even though I love the concept, I bet I've read less than 10 individual issues of What If. So I've purchased a ton just hoping I really like the series, which I'm assuming I will. But they don't typically go panel for panel this way where you're actually seeing scenes from a comic that you recognize and then you see the exact point where things diverge. But I think this is a great way to start it and it definitely sets the stage for what What If will be all about. I didn't mention this, but it opens with the Watcher talking about the multiverse and really setting the stage for what his role will be during the series as the narrator, uh, kind of the omniscient narrator. Then that he shows scenes from other parallel universes that we've already seen in Marvel history, which will, I think, just for those early readers back in 77 when this came out, it will give them an idea of, okay, I see what he's getting at here. I, I can understand this parallel universe thing. And yes, we have already seen this in Marvel history. Uh, so yeah, back to the story then. I don't know that necessarily that I'll go through every plot point of this issue. I am going to spoil some things here though. So uh, I would, while I would encourage you to read it, I do want to talk about the Twilight Zone type twist that they have at the end here, uh, where if through a course of events, Namor gets brought into some action, um, and as you may know, Sue Storm and Namor have always had an attraction, even though Sue Storm and Reed Richards are really the main couple in the Fantastic Four and in some ways the main couple of the whole Marvel Universe. It's, it's kind of this love triangle that never really felt like she would ever all the way uh, choose Namor, but by Spider-Man being on the Fantastic Four, because she herself had had a change of heart that we didn't see in the original Marvel history and she kind of beckoned him to, to give it another chance and talk through this uh, about joining the team. Because Spider-Man's a part of the team, Sue ends up feeling left out and by feeling left out, she's more drawn to Namor. So... Even though as a team, they overcome the villains of the story, in the end, Sue decides to be in relationship with Namor rather than Reed Richards, making them the Fantastic Four again, but this time with Spider-Man. And there's this awesome scene. Now Sue's gone. Uh, Johnny, her brother, and Spider-Man are talking. And, there's a, and Spider-Man's saying he feels responsible for the fact that, that she's no longer with the Fantastic Four. And Johnny basically says, here, let me say here, I'll bring up the exact. If you never joined the Fantastic Four, things would probably have ex have worked out exactly the same. 
and he's saying this to Spider-Man to try to make him feel better because Spider-Man's already feeling responsible for the fact that Sue has felt left out. And it's just kind of this cool thing because we know that that's not true at all. If Spider-Man had never joined the Fantastic Four, she would have stayed strong with the team. Eventually, her and Reed would have got married. There'd be a whole different history for Marvel. So, yeah, I mean, again, I didn't go into every single plot point here, but I do want to rate these issues. And I didn't mention this at the beginning, but as we're doing the What If Challenge and picking a top comic for each individual issue, eventually I'd like to do some sort of tournament or some sort of conversation where I really dive in and look at what is the best what if story what are the what's the top five what if stories in marvel history uh this is a great one it's an awesome one to start with i think you know i always write things out of five i think i'll give this a four and a half it's uh not quite five all the way but definitely good uh i'm excited to read on this series the what if issues i've purchased have been from volume one this original one that started in 77 and, and volume two which let me take a look quick here where did volume two start? Looks like it started in 1989. So I'll make sure I know if it's volume one or volume two as I'm going forward. And now I got to pick actually what I'm going to talk about next. Let's see. I've got what if Spider-Man hadn't married Mary Jane and what if he had married Black Cat? I think I'll do the Black Cat one first and then we'll read through the Mary Jane issue last. But finally, I think I should do the classic comic book time machine thing that we always do where we discuss the... Uh, kind of the specifics about each of these issues. So this issue, what if number one had a cover price of 50 cents page count was 48. The cover date was February, 1977, but the actual on sale date was November 11th of 1976. Uh, again, like I said, Roy Thomas wrote this story and it really references mainly on Spider-Man issue number one, although a lot of other issues were referenced throughout this story. So what if issue number one, 4.5 stars. Now, let's dive into the next issue. All right, everybody. I'm back. Just read the issue. I don't think I mentioned this at the beginning of the episode either, but I like how my other co-host for the comic book time machine, Ben Avery, will introduce an issue, then go read it. You know, pause recording, go read it, and come back with an instant reaction. So that's what I'm trying to go for here. And I actually had to change my mind about what issue I was going to do. So I... Instead read, what if the Amazing Spider-Man had not married Mary Jane? Because I quickly looked at the issue numbers. These are both from volume two. And the Mary Jane issue was issue number 20. And Black Cat was issue number 21. So I thought, is it possible with these two uh, wedding-themed issues that they'd possibly be connected? And sure enough, they were. The issue ends with saying, I'm just going to open it up here and read it. For the first time in what if history, they and it says concluded next issue, you will be surprised. So it's a two part issue. And I made a big point at saying at the beginning of this episode that these were typically standalone issues, but guess what? Not so here. Two parts. So here's the story. Just like with, okay, so let me first tell you some of the, some of the stats here. So this is. What if issue number 20 from volume number two, uh, written by Danny Fingeroff, who I've actually heard on some comic podcasts recently, uh, really involved with Spider-Man writing uh, in the 90s. So this book had as a cover date of December 1990. And I don't have, I did not prepare well to tell you 
when it uh, or actually came out. So let's see, I got it right here, or do I? I do not have it. I'll have to come back to that later. So the issue opens in a similar way as issue number one, where the watcher catches us up, catches catches up the the reader. So basically, says, okay, here's what actually happened in Marvel history. Talks about Gwen being killed. Talks about how eventually Mary Jane and Peter started dating. How Peter had proposed to her long ago, and she said no because she knew he was Spider Man and didn't know how she could live her life knowing that he was always in danger and so she left for a while and while and this is real marvel history while mary jane had moved away peter started dating the black cat so you know through a course of events mary jane comes back and black cat realizes that she's the one that peter actually loves so they break up mary jane and peter get back together and then eventually get married and as of the writing of this what if issue they had they were still married but where things get changed is in the original Marvel history, the Spider Slayer had attacked Spider-Man, and in the middle of that attack, Mary Jane was injured. But in this new What If story, she was injured a little worse because of a little bit of a delay for Spider-Man, a little worse than she was originally. That delay sent her to the hospital and got Peter thinking about what will her life be like if she marries me. And so he decides... To leave her at the altar because he's just faced with nightmares of her being killed the way Gwen was and he just doesn't feel like he can go through with it. He doesn't want to put her in that kind of danger. So they break up uh, after Peter just goes on a rampage of fighting crime but a little bit more tough, a little more rough than usual. He goes and has a conversation with Aunt May. Aunt May talks to him about how she really hopes even though it didn't work out with Mary Jane that He'll eventually find somebody that can watch out for him because she knows she's old and frail, she says, and she won't be around very long. So this gets Peter thinking, and he decides to uh, reach out to Black Cat, who he hasn't talked to in quite a while, just to see where things are at for her. She decides to give Peter another chance, and then they start dating, and she knows his secret identity, so she loves him as Peter, but in a lot of ways loves him more as Spider-Man. So they start fighting crime together. You know, she, He's still dealing with the fact that she... because I don't know, not because she was a former criminal necessarily, but her way is just more rough than the average superhero. So they're constantly having conversations about, you know, why are you taking it this far? And in the end, though, her way does end up helping out a couple different times. We've got a scene straight out of Craven's Last Hunt where he buries Spider-Man. You may know this classic story, but in this what if version with this what if reality, Black Hat saves Spider-Man early on. And so he doesn't have to uh, deal with what he usually has to deal with in the real history of, of uh, Craven's Last Hunt. Then we get a story where Black Hat helps take down Venom. And it just, you can see that with Black Hat by Spider-Man's side, things go a lot smoother with him against his supervillains. So, Peter eventually proposes to Black Cat. Um, Mary Jane's still around and seeing the news that they're working together. And so she reaches out to him. Black Cat gets the phone call, ends up going to see Mary Jane face-to-face and, and says, basically, look, he proposed to me. He's mine now. Leave him alone. Stop calling us. But while they're having this confrontation publicly at her front doorstep 
some guy who I don't recognize overhears them, puts two and two together because he knew who Mary Jane used to be dating, and here in the conversation realizes, oh, that guy that Mary Jane used to date is actually Spider-Man. And the closing line is, Spider-Man's wife, hey, I may not be a rocket scientist, but I think I just put two and two together and came up with a cool million. And then the issue closes, and like I had mentioned, to be concluded in the next issue, number 21, what if the amazing Spider-Man had married the black cat? So I think I'll read that right now, but before I get to that, this issue also had some letter, letter pages here. And it looks like they mostly dealt with issue 13 of What If, the second volume, where Professor X becomes the juggernaut. And I do own that issue, so we'll be getting to that eventually. And then it looks like issue 14 has something to do with the original Captain Marvel. Maybe What If He Hadn't Died. I'm not 100% positive, but it, it sounds like it's that. Okay, but here is a really cool letter that some reader had had done based on What If uh, volume 2 numbers 1 through 15. Here he, here's what he writes. This is Chris from California. Dear Marvel, here is the percentage of appearances of the people who the stories and the series are based upon up to the 15th issue, rounded to the nearest one place. So he's basically saying, okay, you've done 15 issues of What If. Here's the percentage breakdown of which heroes were featured in those first 15 issues. X-Men were featured in 27% of the stories. Avengers were featured in 13%. Fantastic Four were featured in 13%. Then all the rest coming up here are featured in 7% of the stories. Captain America, Captain Marvel, Daredevil, Iron Man, Punisher, Spider-Man, and Wolverine. So a cool breakdown of Marvel history right there. So now, without further ado, I'm going to pause this recording. I'm going to go read the conclusion to the story and see what happens when Spider-Man marries the Black Cat. All right, we're back. I have just finished that final issue of the three I'm reading tonight. And I've got the stats for you about these last two issues. So I didn't mention it before, but the cover price for What If Spider-Man Had Not Married Mary Jane, the cover price was $1.25. The cover date was December 1990, but the on-sale date was October 16th, 1990. Then followed up by this issue I just read, issue number 21 of volume two, Cover date was January 1991, on sale date November 20th, 1990, and the cover price again was 125 just like with issue 20. Issue number 21 was written by Danny Fingeroff, who I had mentioned has uh, written a lot of Spider-Man. And yeah, like I had said before, it continues right into the story that was ended at the end of issue number 20, where there's somebody who knows about Spider-Man's secret identity. The person ends up telling the vulture for $1 million and things get crazy. I'll talk about that in a second. But first, just on page two of the story, we already get to the marriage because in a lot of ways, the marriage between Amazing Spider-Man and Black Cat, or I guess I should say Peter Parker and Felicia Hardy, that's not really the main story. The actual wedding event is not. It's what happens after. So they go to Niagara Falls and... They use fake names, which makes me think this marriage is not even legal. Peter Palmer and Felicia Harvey, th those two get married, but those are fake names. So uh, I don't actually think we saw the marriage between Black Cat and Spider-Man. But with that aside, let's just move into the story. They keep on working together as crime fighters. and But there's always sort of this weird thing between them where 
Felicia Hardy likes Spider-Man more than Peter Parker, and she also still senses he might have some feelings for Mary Jane. Um, it, she, you know, they're also dealing with the fact that she fights crime in a different way than him. So lots of tension between these two. When the Vulture finds out who Peter Parker is or who Spider-Man is, he actually kills the informant and then goes straight to Aunt May's house and blows it up. And I'm thinking, what? Are they going to kill Aunt May in this? I mean, of course, it's what if, so who cares really in the long run? But uh, it was very sudden. Then Peter, of course, swings over to go see if he can help. Finds Aunt May alive, thank goodness. So she's buried underneath the rubble. But then the next scene, we've got Vulture going to attack Felicia Hardy because you know there's been some weird things in Marvel history. I guess the public knew Black Cat's secret identity as Felicia Hardy, but they didn't know Spider-Man's secret identity as Peter Parker. So they couldn't be seen together. It's just kind of weird. They they were seen together fighting crime, but they couldn't be seen together in their civilian identities. So they still had two separate homes that they'd have to sneak into just to have their married lives together. So Vulture finds Felicia Hardy, attacks her. He's going to kill her, but Spider-Man shows up and helps. It looks like actually Spider-Man's lost it. He's going to kill Vulture. And just then Silver Sable and the Wild Pack. Is that her, the name of their group? I think that's it. Uh, they had appeared in the last issue. I don't think I mentioned it because it wasn't a big deal, but... Uh, they're back now in the second part of the story. They're going to stop Spider-Man from killing Vulture, you know, from crossing the line and doing something he'll regret. Uh, but they do become more important as the story progresses. So now Peter Parker just lays into Black Cat. He saved her, but he's mad at her because it was her yelling at Mary Jane publicly that revealed to Vulture who Peter was, which got Aunt May in trouble. And Aunt May is really like the number one person in Peter's life. So there after, I mean, just minutes after Vulture attacked Black Cat and Peter saves her, he breaks up with her, which is crazy. So not a long marriage for, well, it's really a fake marriage, I guess. So Peter then rushes over to Mary Jane to go talk to her, but instead changes his mind, goes and talks to Silver Sable instead. They kind of have a heart to heart and then they uh, go fight crime together later. Vulture is killed in prison, and everyone thinks Spider-Man did it. So Silver Sable and her crew go and talk to Peter Parker about it, or Spider-Man, I should say. Uh, and there's a confrontation, but Mary Jane had seen Peter when he was almost going to visit her home. And actually, no, there was a scene where he actually did go in, but they didn't really have a conversation. So she's seen him. She knows that there's something he wants to talk to her about. Now she sees him being attacked by Silver Sable's group. She gets involved. She almost gets killed. Black Cat comes in and saves her. In the ruckus, there's a little bit of confusion on both sides. And Black Cat ends up getting shot by one of Silver Sable's... uh, What's this guy's name? Paladin. By a guy named Paladin. So Paladin shoots Black Cat. She has a few minutes to live. Talks to Spider-Man about how he really loved... Or she really loved him. She killed Vulture to kind of, uh, well, to pay Vulture back, but also to try to make things better between them. But she dies. It's, uh, you know, of course, heartbreaking for Peter. Mary Jane's there. You think maybe there's a chance that now those two who actually really love each other can reconcile, but because of what happened with Black Hat, they really can never be together anymore. So Peter Parker moves on. And then Watcher tells us that time elapses and 
Peter starts working more with Silver Sable and her group. And eventually a romance grows between those two. And the issue ends with, it looks like a budding romance between Silver Sable and Spider-Man. And that's the end. So, how do I rank these? It's kind of hard since it is one story. But I'll still try to rank the issues individually. So I guess I'll give the what if the Amazing Spider-Man had not married Mary Jane. I'll give that a four. I mean, they're both good. Should I just give them both a four? Either way, number one is definitely the issue of the day. So I'll just give both of these a four, which makes our winner for this episode, what if, number one. I'm glad it's that one because it's the original. It would be hard to say one was better than that, even though I'm sure there are lots of other good what if stories. So I think that's where I'll wrap up other than there were a couple funny things. So in this letter page, uh, we have people making suggestions about future issues or possible uh, topics. And there's some things that I know are going to come up in the future and some things they actually acknowledge are going to come up. Looks like from here, the next issue, issue 22, is going to be what if the Silver Surfer had not escaped from Earth? And I don't know if I actually have that issue. Um, the ads are so awesome in all of these issues. It's just fun to see what was being advertised. So there was a video game called Street Fighter 2010, or they probably would have said 2010 back then. So to them, that's 20 years in the future. I'm sure they love that distant future Street Fighter version of the game. All right, but if you go all the way back to the first issue I was covering in this episode, what if number one from 1970? Well, I said 77, but after we looked at the on-sale data, it was actually 76. There were some cool things in here. They were selling this book called Bring On the Bad Guys, I think. Let me go find the, the article. Oh, there was also, or ad, I should say. There was also, um, all right, here we go. There was more Hostess ads which are usually in the form of a, a short comic that was fun with the hulk bring on the bad guys by stanley this looks like a book that was for sale back here i would love to have this i should have checked it out maybe i will here live on the show here's what they the ad says what's so good about being bad find out in the latest bestseller from stan the man lee which chronicles the creation and careers of mary marvel's mightiest villains such as Dr. Doom, Red Skull, and the Green Goblin, a full-color, profusely illustrated, behind-the-scenes look at the fascinating felons who keep our superheroes in business. All right, I'm going to right now go to Amazon, live on the show, and see if I can find out if you can even purchase this. But how awesome would it be to have these old books? Bring on the bad guys, Stan Lee. All right, how much do you think it's actually going for? Not that much. Looks like you could get an original copy from 1976 for only $29 on Amazon. That's pretty good. Wait, here's another one for $19. So this is doable. It must not be very good. I don't know why somebody would sell it for so cheap. There's an updated version that came out in 98 for cheaper, but it would be cool to have that original. So that's they have a mail-in form for that. Uh, like I would mentioned, they have the hostess ad in here called The Incredible Hulk and the Green Thumb. Uh, what else is cool? There's, I mean, a lot of the typical stuff you'd expect to see, the subscription page, which it's fun to look through and see what were they trying to sell back then. Uh, you know, The flea market page, as Ben Avery likes to call them. Yeah, I mean, it, can you imagine if you had this stuff in mod modern comics? It's crazy. But all right, I think I'll shut this down after this last ad. The inside cover of this 1976 comic has a 
what is this? A toy set? I can't even tell what this is. For the $6 million man. Mission Control Center. Oh, it's an inflatable dome. 26. What? Is this serious? <laughs> Some sort of inflatable dome you can bring with you. You can also uh, you can also get a $6 million man action figure. Yeah. So, this is just one of the joys of having the original comics as you can look at. They're like little time capsules. So you can look at what they were selling back then. What was, uh, what were the like hot commodities of that time period? So, hey everybody, thanks for joining me for this first episode in this ongoing series. I don't know how often I'll be back with these, but I'll just try to read through the what ifs as fast as possible. So get you these episodes as fast as possible. Just depends on timing here at home. But thanks again for joining us. Let me know if you have some thoughts on this what if challenge. And if you're reading along or if you have some issues you'd like to make a cover, let me know. If you have some what-if comics at home you've been wanting to read, maybe I could uh, dig through my collection, see if I also have them, and put those to the front of the line when it comes to future episodes of the Comic Book Time Machine. So if you have any suggestions or requests for future episodes, you can write me at matt at the com. That's matt at the com. That's uh, my email I use for my other podcast. Which is the Sci-Fi Christian? You can find it at the SciFiChristian.com. But I think that would be the easiest way to get a hold of me directly. So yeah, feel free to write me and let me know what you'd like to hear me talk about, or if you have any other topics in general, maybe some recent Spider-Man stuff, maybe some recent Silver Surfer. I had thought I would maybe do a recommendation. Yeah, maybe now's a good time to do that. I think I'll. I want to have a recommendation that ties somewhat into the What If universe. And maybe even to the specific issues that I was discussing. And I had thought to bring up a recent Secret Wars tie-in series. So when uh, Marvel did this event called Secret Wars back in 2015, they had a ton of tie-ins. And each of these tie-ins in a lot of ways were like their own little what-if miniseries. And one of them was called The Amazing Spider-Man Renew Your Vows. And it was set in a world where... Spider-Man had stayed married to Mary Jane because if you know recent Marvel history or relatively recent, through the course of a supervillain who has magic powers, through the course of the story, he erased everyone's memory, including Peter and Mary Jane's memory. All the memories of their marriage was erased and it was as if that never happened. So in modern Marvel comics, technically speaking well it's not technically because they were married but no one remembers the marriage so it's as if peter parker was never married to mary jane so renew your vows then tells the story of what if that hadn't happened what if they had stayed married they'd have a kid and they'd be married and they'd be uh not a crime fighting family but everyone's aware that peter is spider-man in the family and the story continues from there and it's like i said an alternate history but it also is a parallel universe i believe because i think that this world still does exist in the marvel multiverse so go check out the first volume of amazing spider-man renew your vows after they did that miniseries it was a hit and so they decided to continue it so even right now as i record it's still an ongoing series so with that recommendation i will wrap this thing up thank you very much everybody for listening this is matt anderson signing off (laughs) 